morning, church. The reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and chapter 3, 1 through 7. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruits, ate, and ate, and also she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leagues together, and made themselves loincloths. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for everybody that's gathered this morning. I thank you for your word. And um, we just know through your word that from the beginning, from the beginning with Adam and Eve, uh, that we chose our flesh, that we chose sin, and that the result of sin is death and sorrow and sadness. But fortunately, the story does not end there and that you uh, had a plan in store for us that through your son, through Christ on the cross, through his death and resurrection, direction, um, that we can seek you, that we have the hope of life, of eternal life. And uh, I just pray that we would cling to that, that we would turn back to you over and over as we inevitably uh, fall into sin uh, time and time again, that we would return to you and just know that you are, are waiting uh, with your open arms, everlasting, uh, providing forgiveness for us, that we may um, and just be transformed more and more to the likeness of your son. So it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. The alphas can be dismissed. Uh, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4 this morning. If you want to turn there uh, in the Bible, we're going to launch our time from there. Uh, there's a few things that I just leave on repeat over and over from this pulpit. You probably know what many of those are. God keeps his promises. Christians need reminders of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There's no maximum amount of time that you can give yourself to prayer or to fellowship or to reading the scripture. Or as John just read for us, every temptation we face is similar to what we saw Adam and Eve go through in Genesis chapter 3. It's the Bible that repeats these truths over and over again. And so I repeat these truths over and over again because I think we all forget. 
We tend to focus on God's word, which is good, that it provides life, it changes our hearts, it combat temptations, but the temptation is to, as Eve was tempted with, to add to God's word or take away from God's word and the goodness that God's word provides for us and the life that God provides for us through his word. And so every temptation, it's in some sense, it tends to question God's goodness. And it's a lie to believe that God is holding back his goodness from us. And Proverbs 4 will show us that the word of God is wisdom because it reminds us of God's goodness. It provides us with life and it changes our hearts. And God's creation, as we see in Genesis chapter 1, he spoke, life was created, and he said it was good. God's word has always been good, and it has always provided life. And so as we consider those things, would you pray with me, and we'll look at Proverbs chapter 4. Father, we thank you for your word God, as Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so, God, we ask that you would do miracles in our hearts. God, that you would unstop our ears, that you would make our, our eyes able to see, that you would transform our hearts to behold wondrous things in your words. And so, God, incline our hearts to your testimonies in your word. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your word. Unite our heart to fear your name and satisfy us this morning with your love. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read the first nine verses of Proverbs 9, that the word of God is wisdom, that the word of God is reminders of his goodness. Proverbs chapter 4, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garden, garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. God's instructions, his precepts, his teaching, his words, his commands, as we had just saw in those nine verses, are in the Bible, friends, for us to follow. Continuing to communicate God's good gifts to his children that we saw last week, Solomon now is reminding us of God's word and its inherent goodness for us. Adam and Eve weren't created and thrown into a terrarium and God watches behind a piece of glass. I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do. He was with them in the garden. He was gracious enough to them in the garden to say, you can have everything you want to eat except one tree to eat from. 
The tree that leads to death is known as the one of good and evil. And God didn't need to explain his reasons, but he gave them a command. That obedience to this command was good. It provided life in disobedience was evil and led to their death. Where God is no moral monster, he's the giver of life. Eat anything except one. That tree won't give you welts like poison ivy or poison parsnip like it does to me as I walk through the woods. You can have anything except that one tree. And that's good kindness. What Adam and Eve needed most was God himself, whom they had, but in eating, the human race was inflicted with sin, constantly tempted towards idolatry, and that's what you and I face every day of our lives. And we need reminders because we give in to the temptation as well. You have God's word, friends, and so prize it. You will be exalted as it finishes in that passage. It's a garland like a crown. The word of God will honor you. Embrace her like a loved one you haven't seen in a while. She's here every day. Don't forget or forsake her. We see in verse 6, embrace the word of God. Get wisdom. The word is wisdom in verse 7. Genesis 2, God gave Adam and Eve words to follow. Pay attention because you'll look for gratification elsewhere. Remember, God is good and his word is given to us as good and that is wisdom. 10 to 19, the word of God is wisdom. The word of God shares reminders of the life that God's word gives to us. Let me read this. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For eat the, they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Hear the words Solomon is saying. Follow the teaching. Hold on to the instruction. The word here is the Hebrew word Shema. It's not just listen and observe. It's to hear the instructions with an intent and actions to do something with it. Famously, this word comes up in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me read this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here to do something with 
the word. We don't just hear to then let it pass through one ear and out the other. The Proverbs are communicating what we see in Deuteronomy to follow and obey and allow it to change our lives. Here to remember and responds, don't file it away that I might go look at it some other day. The word leads us on paths of righteousness we see in verse 11 or implications of running, walking, or stumbling. The word of God is wisdom. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. We've all gone to the restroom right in the middle of the night and our pinky toe catches the corner of the table or the corner of the bed and I think it must be the worst pain, sorry ladies, that I've ever experienced in my life. Nothing hurts more than that. And God's word is the light for our path. So we might not stumble, we might not stub our toes or worse, go into deep darkness. Verse 19, the word is wisdom because it leads us towards life. A crushed pinky toe is death. And Solomon encourages the reader, keep hold of the instructions. Do not let it go. In verse 13, the word here invokes physical strength. I was reminded of a study, a pastor friend of mine, he wrote an article some while back uh, on uh, this passage from Genesis 32 when Jacob wrestled with God. Let me read it. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. But he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. So friends, hold on to God's word like Jacob held on until he was blessed. Until he gives you life. We oftentimes, we skim through or we catch up on our Bible reading plan or we read one small verse. But do you hold on to the word? Do you grasp onto it so hard that you say, Father, I am not letting go of your word until you bless me with it. It provides a pathway from evil in verse 14. Like Jesus' prayer, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Friends, God is really good and he provides really good gifts to his children. Don't listen to the serpent. Did God really say? Proverbs 10, 8, the wise of heart will receive the commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. God wants us to have life and he gives us his word to provide that life we need. The word is wisdom, showing us God's goodness and providing life. And finally, it leads us in a way that we should live, a changed heart as chapter four finishes. The word of God is wisdom. The word of God reminds us of its power to change our hearts. Verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Let them keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. 
ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The way to live is to pay attention to the word of Scripture and to hear them again so that we might do something in verse 20. To hold them. Don't let them escape your sight in verse 21. Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, the psalmist is requesting. God's word is the ordinary means of grace to show us, friends, his goodness, to provide us life, and to change our hearts. Jonathan Edwards, he described the, this means of grace, this way that God blesses us, that changes our affections, or how we want to live with these words. He says, as preaching the word as administering the ordinance where we see the word of God in baptism and the Lord's Supper, where we worship God in prayer, where we are praying the word and singing praises, where we are singing the word. And Edwards continues, because it is to be desired as it has a tendency deeply to affect our hearts of those who attend to these mains. And that's why we at Cornerstone Church give ourselves to the Word of God and we consistently remind each other that we need it because God's tra Word transforms our hearts. It leads us to proper living and helps us to fight our sin. God provides life as He reveals Himself through the Scriptures and it's good. I repeat these things over and over again because God's word repeats these things over and over again. And God knows his people will struggle and we will need reminders. I struggle. I know you do too. It's so profound, but God's word is so simple. The word is wisdom because it calls us to live an intentionally focused life on what's best for us. Solomon, he finishes. He says, look directly forward. Gaze straight ahead. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. In 25 or 27, ponder in your path the sure and steady and strong foundation. In 26, Solomon wants us to focus on the end. Beholding Jesus face to face. Follow the path directed in the word. Matthew 7 recounts Jesus' word. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The word is wisdom because it leads to a changed heart that we might stay on the course as God directs us in his word. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 24 and following, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But they did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them or, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The word is wisdom because it provides us a changed heart to rest on the sure foundation of God's word. Proverbs was wisdom because it calls us from our foolishness. 
to God's goodness, to the life that His Word provides, to a changed heart towards holiness. C.S. Lewis said this, When we are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud plies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. God knows our greatest pleasure is in His goodness, in the life that He provides, in the changed heart that He gives to us so that we might worship Him. Solomon's words here are good words. They're life-giving words. They're words that change our hearts. And I think we can apply these and we can encourage one another so that we might bless others with our words like Solomon blesses us with his words through the hand of God. We follow Paul's example to the Ephesian church in Acts 20. He said this, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We follow God's example and we say good words to others because God's word is good and it transforms our hearts. Some Proverbs for consideration. 11.9, with the mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Or 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 16.27, a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. 2019, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the simple babbler. Or 26, 18 and 19, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Or 30, 32, and 33, if you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. Basically, be quiet. For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. God's word comes to us, friends, to build us up. The world doesn't do that. It does the exact opposite. Protests and debates, feuds, slander, it's all too normal in today's world, is it not? Talking about others rather than going to talk to them, it's gossip. It's sin. Look at our Facebook groups, especially the ones for our towns. Both sides, whatever the debate is, how dare you say such a thing? I'm talking to the moderator. Jesus said, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. As God's word is good towards us, our words can be good towards others. So are your words doing good in the world in which you live? Do your words get in the way of someone hearing God's goodness? Whatever it is, do your words provide a sound similar to God's voice of gentleness, of patience, of kindness? I think I've realized more and more, I just want to be God myself. I want things done quickly. I want things done my way. I want them done how I would do them. And if things don't happen that way, I get angry. Unfortunately, it's typically against my kids or my wife. When I'm not treated like God of my home, 
I don't like it. Is it control for you? Or is it a claim that only God deserves? Like me. Listen to my story. I did this or I did that. Social media fuels this. Is it notoriety? Look what I've accomplished. Look at my resume. But have you compared yourselves to God's resume lately? Our voice should be like that loving father, that good words communicated with gentleness. And fathers, we are a window to Jesus, our father in heaven. We have a good father. Jesus isn't the father, sorry. Fathers, we are a window to our father in heaven. We have a good father. Husbands, you're a window to Jesus, where Jesus laid down his life for his bride. And all of us are windows of Jesus as well in the way we serve one another and the world around us, where he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And those are simple ways to consider, do your words communicate God's goodness? A window allows light to go through. My parents used to say, you're a better door than a window when I'd stand in front of the TV. Words can tear down and words can build up. That's why I remember some of those phrases. Since God's word provides us a display of his goodness, shouldn't our words do the same? As we become God's spokesmen and women to a lost and dying world around us? So friends, may our words do good and not evil. We follow God's example as well by having words that are life-giving to others. Some Proverbs 12, 14. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the works of a man's hand come back to him. 15, 2. The tongue of a wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. 16, 23. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Or 25, 11 to 14, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the setting of silver, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold, is a wise reprover to a listening ear, like the cold of snow in times of harvest, is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his master like clouds and wind without rain, is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. Blessings are appealing. Cursings should be repulsive to us. So do your words produce life? Or does death follow close behind? Consider 25.13 again. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his master. When I read this the first time, I was like, cold of snow, it's way too early to be thinking about that. But snow was brought down from the mountains during harvest season to keep the crops cool, but also to provide a cool, refreshing drink for those who were participating in a harvest. One commentator said, just as cold water invigorates the harvests for work, the harvesters for work, so knowing that an envoy will faithfully discharge his mission invigorates the one who sends him for his duties. And friends, we are envoys of Jesus who are called to use words to give people life. And so do your, your words bring life or does it bring cursing? Words, even intentional, can tear down and lead to death. Whoever said sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me is a liar. And we all know that. Words can hurt. Words can tear down. Or as James says, it's like a fire that destroys a forest. 
And social media, again, has destroyed our sense of humility. That dopamine hit that we get when we see those likes or comments or the affirmations that we receive is an addiction. Our drug of choice, friends, is ourselves. Affirmations and personal focus that is contrary to the scriptures. Life's not about us. For God's people, our words should be like that tree of life. God's word is kind, are ours. God's word is patient, are ours. God's word builds up, does yours. Proverbs 10, 10 to 14, whoever winks with an eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the word, mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the fool, mouth of the fool brings ruin near. A fountain of life, love that covers offenses. They come from our mouths. Righteous words. You see how this points to Jesus? John 7 described this taking place where Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the scripture, God's word, has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so do your words produce life? What we talk about probably shows us what we care about the most or a sports victory or our frustrations, our family, or those you're mad at at work or church. What would your words say that you love most? Is it a love for God and love for others? Or is it a love for yourself? The word of God is wisdom. My encouragement is to speak those words. Share the gospel. Build up. Bless others. Lead someone towards the life that God's word provides for them because God is the giver of new life through his son. It says this in Proverbs 12, whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like a sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. And so friends, let's speak truth. False witnesses could be no witness at all as well. And so we must share the gospel. The words of the gospel, the words of scripture must be on our lips because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And so we share true words about Jesus because he's true. We share wise words of healing to provide the healing of our dying souls that is only through the gift of God's son. We gain peace and joy by believing the words as revealed in the gospel, the words of eternal life by the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Where Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says he is gentle and lowly. Proverbs 15.4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Our words should be gentle because in them we show others the gentle one. Jesus, who provides everlasting life, rest for our weary souls, relief from our toil. Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our world, or sorry, our words should be good. Our words should be life-giving. Sharing the gospel means our words can actually change hearts. It is only by believing the words of wisdom, the gospel, that our hearts will change, though. You can white-knuckle it for a while, but our victory tends to be for our glory. Any good that we do tends to be for our glory unless God changes our hearts by believing the gospel. And for most Christians today, the book of Proverbs is a lot of what do I do in this situation or how do I handle this emotion? And that's not entirely wrong, but that's not the point of the Proverbs. The point of the Proverbs, the point of God's word, because we're forgetful folks, is to remind us that God is good and remind us that he provides life when we see our foolishness in our heirs and that by believing the gospel that he can change our hearts and change our lives eternally. And I say the same thing over and over again because that's what God's word does. And in believing and trusting God's word as wisdom, we get to pass those words of wisdom on to others. That's what I try to do each and every week. The world around us has developed this disease that I would call solitude. And I think it's demonic, and Satan wants to use it against his people or God's people, where we seclude ourselves in seasons of our favorite show, where we'll binge watch for hours upon hours upon hours. Or these things, these phones that we have, they distract us from the real relationships that we have with each other. We can sit on the same couch and text each other or send us videos. We do that in our home. Headphones, they provide silence from the world around us so that we listen to what we want to listen to, not what God would have from God's good gift of his people to encourage us and speak truth in our lives. And now virtual reality, where now our eyes are blinded from the world around us. If you see the Apple commercials of that new thing that they made, it just, you could be in a room with other people and not even know that they're there with you. It's dangerous. We need each other so that we might speak truth and God's word to each other. And so, believes God's word is better than our words. And may God be pleased to have his word continually on our lips. Paul says this to the Ephesian church in chapter 4, Rather, speaking the truth of love, in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We can't grow in holiness without God's word that provides us new life and changes our hearts. God's word is always good. Remember creation. He spoke, he gave life, and he said it was good. The word changes our hearts to believe the gospels that we can be the spokesmen and the spokeswomen of the life-giving message that God's word provides. And so let's open our mouths so God's goodness can come out and protrude towards those around us, to each other, 
so that they might have life and a changed heart themselves. Would you pray with me? And we thank you for being so kind, so patient, so long-suffering for people who continue to forget, who continue to stick their foot in their mouth, who continue to stumble and disregard your word. I don't think it's a mistake that the Gospel of John calls your son the word, where the word was made flesh, the eternal second member of the Trinity humbled himself by taking on flesh so that he might substitute himself on a cross for our sins. That all who believe in your Son, that word made flesh, might receive eternal life by believing in his substitutionary death on our behalf, his resurrection to provide us newness of life. God, we thank you for giving us your word to reveal that to us. God, thank you enough for, for caring for us enough to give us your word to lead and guide us. And God, we ask that you would change our hearts. God, we ask that you would keep us on the straight and narrow path. God, we ask that you would help your word to be continually on our lips so that we might give the life-giving word of God that contains the gospel to a lost and dying world around us, but also to encourage each other as we stumble and struggle in our sin, knowing that where else shall we go? Your word and your son are the words of eternal life. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.